By leveraging data-driven solutions such as IoT sensors and data acquisition, integration, and analytics, asset managers are discovering a host of cost efficiency and asset lifecycle benefits. Recently, Air Services Australia, Australia's national air traffic control organization, partnered with Jacobs to deploy intelligent asset management functionality at several radar sites. To learn more about how these two entities came together to successfully implement an intelligent asset management solution in such a safety-critical industry as air traffic control, we sat down with two of the key professionals behind the project's success. Hello, I'm your host, Paul Teese, and on this episode of If When, my guests were Grayson Scurria, CNSNA Asset Lifecycle Management Lead, Air Services Australia, and Abhishek Singh, Director of Technology Convergence at Jacobs. During the discussion, they shared their thoughts on some of the top benefits that intelligent asset management can provide, as well as methods that organizations should consider when trying to deploy intelligent asset management in their operations. Well, Grayson and Abhishek, thank you both so much for joining me today. We're going to be talking about intelligent asset management and uh I want to ask you about the Ampeak 2023 event. I understand you both you know, recently attended Ampeak 2023, which for our listeners at home, it's the annual conference of the Asset Management Council. And this, uh, this event just transpired here in April of 2023. Abhishek, can you tell us a little bit about that experience? You know, what did you learn? You know, what, what new developments or findings came out of that that you think are sharing with our audience? So just to set some context for our audience around AMPEAK, AMPEAK is the premier asset management forum here in Australia that brings together asset owners, asset service providers, and and a number of engineering and consulting organizations all under one roof uh, with the intent of providing them a, a platform to share their experiences and learnings that have come out of a number of innovative activities, some incredible work that's being undertaken by these organizations in support of critical infrastructure providers uh, so that it enables these providers to get greater value from their physical assets. So that's the concept of of AMP. In the conference, there were a number of themes that emerged out of the presentations and discussions. So on one end of the spectrum, there was discussions around some foundational elements of developing uh, the right strategies, putting in place the right plans and policies so that organizations can achieve the right balance between performance, cost and risk as it pertains to operating these physical assets. So that was sort of on one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum, we had discussions around themes that related to fast tracking adoption of emerging technologies as a means of bringing in a paradigm shift, I suppose, in the operations of these organizations and and in the way that they manage their assets. So for Jacobs and Air Services, we we worked as a joint team and we made six presentations Mm -hmm. on topics covering some of the themes that I've mentioned. And the presentations were really well received by, by the audience, the participants in the conference. A particular highlight for me, uh, Paul, pertained to discussions that we had around adoption of a data-driven approach and how that is enabling organizations, in particular asset-intensive organizations, to deliver some sustainable outcomes. Mm 
Now, this, of course, resonated with me because it aligns with the accelerators that Jacobs has set up uh, around digital and data and climate response. And, and for us, it was heartening to see uh, perhaps that in some ways, because of the work that we've done as part of the accelerators, we are perhaps ahead of the curve. And, and that uh, we can make a real difference by pulling on these levers and getting the right outcomes for our clients. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, so Grayson, you you were there as well. And of course, and you're joining us with Air Services Australia and, you know, obviously uh, a heavily intensive asset organization, you know, air traffic control organization there in Australia. So you're rolling out intelligent asset management as part of your, your operations. What were you, you know, what did you learn? You know, what was your experience at Ampeak 2023, you know, from a client side, you know, what, what did you learn? What did you appreciate as far as the findings and developments, you know, that came out of that conference? Thanks, Paul. For the listeners, Air Service Australia is a air navigation service provider, the, uh, the federal agency, in Australia to providing air traffic control and aviation rescue and firefighting at uh, 27 airports across um, Australia. And so we've been um, on the asset management journey for a, for a number of years now, and it's been sort of setting up the foundations of asset management uh, and sort of building on that slowly. And recently we've had partnership with Jacobs to enhance and uplift that capability. So it was an exciting opportunity for air services to attend and showcase some of the good work that we've been doing with Jacobs. And as uh, Abhishek mentioned, we did six joint presentations together. And it was, you know, what I, I guess took away from it is, you know, every agency or every um, company that attended is on on a journey. And, uh, you know, there are different stages of maturity. And, and there was a general sense of wanting to better ourselves, look at it, look at the future, and to be able to build on the, I guess, the stories and the experiences from each other. And as we did our presentations, and we got we got a significant amount of feedback from the people who listened to the um, presentations and, you know, really sort of validated the approach we've taken um, and validated the learnings that Jacobs had shared with us. And yeah, we got a lot out of it and particularly being the sort of the first time we had sort of showcased to this sort of scale before. Yeah, it was a great opportunity. Hmm. Oh, that's tremendous. Now, you know, Abhishek, let's, let's kind of unpack intelligent asset management for our audience, you know, and the concept behind it. Obviously, this is a very data-driven world and a lot of organizations are applying data-driven solutions to, you know, any number of situations, you know. So how would you explain what intelligent asset management is and what are some of the top benefits that it provides to clients? At its core, uh, intelligent asset management enables organizations, so primarily asset-intensive organizations, to tap into uh, the rich uh, intelligence that is uh, in some ways hidden beneath the surface of the mountains of data that they gather from their assets. So typically the, the way we explain this to, to our clients is to say that if you look at the value chain of intelligent asset management, on one end of, of that value chain is a focus on deployment of data acquisition technologies. For instance, in the case of ACE services, we looked at deploying IoT sensors on their assets to gather 
data from their assets in real time. Mm-hmm. But there can be other approaches to acquiring data, which could be spatial data or non-spatial data. So that's sort of the, the first part of that value chain or equation. Then down the track, it's about integrating those disparate data sets. And once they've been integrating it, uh, integrated, using the right applications to analyze the data and the insights that are then obtained from the analysis are applied within the context of the organization. So the operating context of the organization and support the organization with some tactical and strategic decision-making. So that that is what it is in a sense, uh, but it's pertaining to, to highlight that intelligent asset management is, before we go, go out and implement that, there's a need for us to put in place some foundational elements. And this typically relates to some uh, strategies that we need to, to develop around asset information management and how data would be captured. And mm-hmm. once those basics are in place, we venture into bringing in the technology to be able to then uh, realize sort of the benefits out of it. Typically, this journey can be fast-tracked. So in, in the case of AS services, the foundational elements were put in place in about six to eight months, uh, with the trial being completed under four months. So the whole journey was sort of finished within a 12 to 18 month period. Now to your second part, uh, the second part of your question, Paul, around benefits of uh, intelligent asset management, uh, we broadly categorize them under three areas. So the first is related to efficiency related benefits. Uh, The second is safety and the third is sustainability. And uh, when you look at uh, the efficiency aspects in terms of the benefits being delivered by intelligent asset management, organizations can make significant gains by optimizing their maintenance regimes as uh, more and more data is available, which is being analyzed in real time. And what we've realized is that over time, these organizations can then move away from a reactive or a preventative maintenance approach across to a more predictive maintenance approach. And in many cases, uh, this leads to reduction in maintenance costs by as much as 40%. The second relates to safety benefits, and and this is uh, both improvements in operational as well as as work health and safety outcomes. So uh, from an operational safety point of view, again, as uh, we have real-time data from assets, we can improve the availability of these assets and reduce the risk of uh, unplanned failures. And therefore, that then improves the service delivery to the end customer. And altogether, that sort of provides an operational safety benefit. Again, from a work health and safety standpoint, as we go out and deploy sensors on assets in areas, you know, as an example, on top of a radar tower, Mm -hmm. that then leads to a situation where technicians are no longer required to undertake risk, additional risk by climbing these towers and performing manual inspection activities. And all of that can then be done by the sensors and the technology. So that's another area of benefit. And then the final bit is around sustainability and, and the outcomes that IAM can deliver from that standpoint. And that is really about you know the organization having a finger on the pulse of these assets and being able to then optimize the energy consumption of these assets in, uh, assets in real time. So that's mm-hmm. one aspect. And, this, and, and the final bit is sort of around uh, reducing the need for travel to remote sites and therefore the accompanying uh, reduction in carbon footprint. Mm-hmm. So that is a broad overview of some of the benefits uh, that mm-hmm. IAM can deliver, Paul. Yeah, so it's, and it's, it's a key feature of, you know, 
intelligent asset management and the data that it captures allows for the creation of digital twins, I imagine, which, you know, then allows you to like model these things. So it's like you can see ahead of time, like you, you said, you know, th- there's a, a failure imminent in a, a certain part of the infrastructure or whatnot that has to be attended to maybe, I, I don't know, six months from now or something, but like you're suddenly you're on the clock and you know that you, you've got like a potential part failure or something that has to be dealt with and you can deal with it proactively and much more cost affordably than having to deal with it after, you know, there's a problem being able to like, you know, reduce your costs and, uh, you know, supply chain issues as well, because, you know, you're better able to proactively manage your assets as opposed to like reactively, you know, which is can create all kinds of problems. Absolutely, Paul. And, and just connecting the dots with uh, something that Grayson mentioned around uh, levels of maturity and everybody being on, on a journey. So the digital twin aspect is perhaps something that is uh, a higher level of maturity. And as mm-hmm. I said, mentioned in, in, in uh, what I said earlier, uh, we start by laying some foundational elements, move into a, a space where we bring in some digital technologies to help optimize the current situation. And then the longer term vision, as you mentioned, is to have a virtual replica of the network of assets, which gives you the ability to simulate scenarios in a very low risk environment and yet be able to predict what might be uh, the impact on the end service delivery. So mm. you're absolutely right. That's the model that that we have in mind. Mm. Now, Grayson, you know, on the client side, you know, you mentioned, of course, that Air Services is partnering with Jacobs and Air Services is Australia's national air traffic control organization. You've engaged Jacobs to introduce intelligent asset management capabilities at several radar sites. And uh, I understand that that project was even up for an asset management innovation award. Can you tell us a little bit from Air Services Australia's standpoint, you know, what were the drivers for change that led you to seek out an IAM partner? You know, as we've all been through, you know, the difficult COVID times, we've learned to look inwardly and kind of see sort of what improvements we can make. And, and you know, operating in a very safety critical and highly, you know, regulated environment, we've you know have a number of challenges uh, and particularly with aircraft not sort of uh, with border closures aircraft not flying creates a significant revenue volatility for mm-hmm. us because we are funded through charging the airlines uh, as they fly and uh, and the other aspect we had through the pandemic was a, a number of lockdowns that were either by state or by city councils which meant you're not really able to move around uh, we have we use a hub and spoke model for our maintenance so you know we have uh, maintainers located in uh, particular particular cities and they drive out to some of our remote sites and we notice a number of difficulties in being able to achieve the timeliness of response etc and the these kind of together pulled a bit of a retrospect look at what do we need to do if this sort of becomes commonplace? How do we sort of plan for this and how do we design a system that, you know, that can help mitigate risk of unplanned failures? And this is sort of where Jacobs kind of stepped in and helped us, you know, sort of build this out and enhance our capability. And particularly, 
to be able to digitize a lot of the um, the methodologies and processes that we've got at the moment. So a lot of our processes are what we call time-based. And with this particular technology, what it opens it up to is uh, moving to potentially condition-based uh, and being able to even build into a bit more predictive maintenance uh, that gives us you know a view that uh, like you mentioned before that you, you can kind of tell that you know you need to probably get to this side because it's starting to hit the margins of um, tolerance at the moment hmm. now you know Grayson as a follow-up to that you know what have you learned during the the life cycle of this project that might be a benefit for other organizations you know that are exploring how they can digitize their asset management? You know, what were some of the key outcomes and success factors achieved? Yeah. So, you know, speaking to a lot of the agencies uh, that who and, and other companies that attended the conference, a, a lot of the companies, you know, this is on their wish list to get these um, ideas implemented, but there's always a, you know, a cost factor or they, you know, there has to be a trigger that allows other companies to invest. For us, particularly, the, the proof of value was really around improved service delivery. We were able to demonstrate that this actually has a positive impact on service delivery, the ability to optimize our maintenance, and you know, having a, a better digital sort of forward outlook. Those were sort of the key outcomes that we were able to demonstrate through this pr- process. From a success factors point of view, I think two things I'd probably want to bring out. One is you need to have leadership that is aligned to this thinking. You're aligned to your corporate strategies and forward plans. And then the second important factor that allowed for success was the, the examples that Jacobs brought to the table, particularly of their involvement and their work with, uh, with NASA and NASA being uh, another you know, safety critical and, uh, organization yeah. and the insights that Jacobs brought from that example really resonated with their services team and it kind of just lined up for us. Yeah. Hmm. And then Abhishek, let me ask you, you know, looking forward, you know, what excites you the most about intelligent asset management development in the coming years? I was uh, reflecting on, on our journey so far and, and, and even more broadly on, on what's happening across the industry that we are part of. And, and it's, a, it's absolutely an exciting time to be, to be here at, at, at this time because uh, of many factors, uh, one of them being around sort of the technology evolution, some might even call it revolution taking place around us. But in terms of the future plans for intelligent asset management and what we are most excited about, uh, two things come to mind. The first is now that we have a proven use case for intelligent asset management with a services being an aviation client, we are now actively working on scaling this uh, model and the IM capabilities that we have across other sectors in APAC uh, in particular. Many of our audience would know that Jacobs has a strong presence in transport and utility sectors globally, as well in Asia Pacific. Uh, so work is afoot to leverage our client relationships that we already have in these sectors to be able to provide a tailored intelligent asset management solutions that hits the mark and meets the needs of our clients in these sectors. Uh, I strongly believe that the sort of the adaptive model that we've developed for intelligent asset management through the work that we've done with air services, that can be taken and and it's transferable across these sectors. So so we are putting our minds to it and and doing some work on that aspect. And furthermore, uh, 
the approach that we've taken to engage with clients and, and also I suppose the approach that we took of engaging with air services around understanding their strategic priorities and then uh, working uh, as a joint team to co-create a delivery methodology that is suitable for their operating context is again scalable across other sectors. Uh, sectors that typically have asset intensive organizations that are you know highly reg regulated or you know they focus on safety critical outcomes so i think that's that is something that really uh, excites us as a team the second mm -hmm. aspect is uh, related to the opportunity of potentially bringing in some of our global partnerships with technology platform providers example of that could be let's say palantir there might be others into the mix of our intelligent asset management offerings to better support the needs of our clients in Asia Pacific. Uh, my understanding is that a number of use cases are already being developed as part of these partnerships uh, for specific clients in the US and elsewhere. But uh, as I said, we are actively working on developing some use cases in Australia. So I think that will be an absolute game changer because that will provide us and our clients access to some cutting edge artificial intelligence, machine learning algorithms and, and capabilities, digital twin capabilities, something that you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. And again, applying this to address some of their trickiest problems or challenges would really help us uh, change the situation and bring in uh, lots of benefits for our clients in these sectors. So so these, these in a nutshell, these two areas of scaling uh, IAM across sectors and then leveraging technology partnerships is really what we are focused as uh, focused on as a team here in APAC. Mm. And you know, it's exciting when you kind of mix and match the technologies together, right? You know, I mean, it's bringing in better management of the data that is generated, and, you know, and then feeding that into like your machine learning models, and then you know, eventually like being able to like put together like a digital twin replica. You layer in, you know advanced processing capabilities, all of this, all this technology together, it works together, you know, and exponentially it gets better and better and it evolves, you know, and provides even better service, better sustainability endeavors, you know, and better safety, you know, frankly, better safety uh, efforts as well. Now, my last question is for both of you, and I'll start with you, Grayson, and then Abhishek, I'll, I'll let you have the final word, but Grayson, let me ask, you know, what do you see let me caveat this, right? You know, we there's all this great technology and it's wonderful, but honestly, you know, in the way of the world, you know, operations run, they've they've run for a certain way. You know, people have a legacy way of doing things. And so sometimes they're a little a little reticent about rolling in new technology. It's it's a bit disruptive, even in the best uh, best cases, you know, it, it, even positively it can be a little bit disruptive. This question is really about overcoming that disruption and folding in new technology in your workflows. So my question is, you know, what do you see, Grayson, as the key to encouraging organizations to invest more in something like intelligent asset management, research and development? You know, what are the best methods that they should consider when trying to deploy IAM in their operations? Yeah, look, that's a, that's a really good question because uh, you know, a lot of we we ourselves sort of grappled with this because you know, you know, this the art of the possible is very very high, but you know, where do you start? So my 
recommendation would be to do the use of pilots are very powerful. So, you know, start small and, you know, identify a particular area within your business where you think you can demonstrate value and to be able to pull that together in a smaller scale and to be able to pull the data from that and to be able to effectively have a play with it, right? And and you can, ha- you know, draw insights from by doing it in a smaller scale in the first instance. Uh, and that sort of helps you understand the technology better, understand the connection points into your business and the insights that are important to your business because every business is different and, you know, you may have the the high-level sort of objectives that may look the same, but internally the connection points are quite different. And, you know, having starting small and uh, having an open mind as to what the art of the possible is, is what I'd say uh, a good way to try and get your feet wet, if you like. Hmm. Excellent. And then Abhishek, the same question for you, you know, what do you see are the keys to encouraging organizations to invest more in IAM and get it to deploy it across their operations? With most organizations these days, uh, there's often a larger transformation agenda or a change agenda, as was the case with his services. And I think as we are conceiving or putting in place uh, the concept of intelligent asset management within the organization, it's important for us to link it with the broader change agenda and uh, make sure that there's complete alignment. And I think another aspect just in connection with that that I'd like to mention is often digital is, is an afterthought, which is not beneficial. And therefore, organizations should take that digital by design approach of bringing this into the initial stages of discussions and, and putting together the broader change program. And then in particular for intelligent asset management, start building a vision of what those steps might look like. I spoke of foundational, optimizational, and transformation capabilities as as an approach that we'd consider for AS services, but there might be other ways to do that as well. And then accompanying the vision is sort of like a narrative, and the narrative is really important to obtain the buy-in of all key stakeholders. So you know, something like IAM cuts across boundaries within the organization and just one part, one functional area of the organization cannot implement that on its own. So they need to get buy-in from stakeholders. And and I think that vision and that narrative is key to being able to build that engagement with those stakeholders. And as we talk of stakeholders, I think most organizations would agree that uh, their people, their workforce is probably one of their, their main stakeholders. In fact, people are often quoted as being the the most important asset that organizations have. So it's also important to leverage off that initial vision to build an engagement strategy with the workforce and help them understand how their skills would evolve over time as uh, intelligent asset management spreads across a greater part of their asset base. And then there's a need for them to shift their operating model. That kind of solves the purpose of uh, coming together with common understanding of how uh, the workforce needs to develop its capability. And I think that would really serve these organizations well. Of course, the key there is it's not just about bringing technology for technology change. We want to bring in change uh, elements of technology that help deliver sustainable outcomes. So changes and improvements that would stick in the long run. So that would be my suggestion uh, Paul, which is, you know, connect the dots, take a holistic approach, think at a systems level, understand how all the moving parts come together, and then develop a bit of a vision and a narrative around that. 
Oh, it's excellent advice. Excellent advice. Don't don't just focus in on the the new technology, the new shiny toy, but really focus on what are the outcomes, the sustainable outcomes you're trying to achieve, and then deploy the uh, the technology in a in a way that's going to help you meet your strategic goals. So, well, Grayson and Abhishek, I want to thank you both so much for uh, joining me today to talk about intelligent asset management. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Paul, so much for the opportunity. Yep, thanks, Paul. Appreciate it.